Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Kaler and Khan podcast. We're going to get started in just a minute. But before we do, Kaler and I wanted to say thank you. Yeah, thank you. Merci. For supporting us, because without your support, this wouldn't happen. And we just wanted to say, if you do like what you're hearing, please hit that subscribe button and like us and tell a friend too because the more ears we get in front of it helps us grow the podcast and it helps people who don't know about us yet find us and you'll learn something and hopefully it's even correct (laughs) (laughs) probably edit that out (laughs) (laughs) mr kaler mr khan Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon to you, too. And here we sit on the precipice of a new episode of Kaler and Khan. And what shall we talk about, I wonder? Mm. Well, let's give a listen to this, then. Bonjour, mon ami. Bienvenue. Comment ça va? <laughs> ah, ça va bien. Merci de m'avoir invité au Kaler and Khan podcast. That's right, everybody. Mr. Kaler, many-layered Kaler, a multilingual phenomenon. So today's podcast, Kaler and I got to thinking about languages. Kaler, anything to add? If pictures could speak a thousand words, (laughs) my face is all red right now (laughs) with embarrassment. Uh, As the old song used to say, this little light of mine, I've got to let it shine. <laughs> so, we were thinking about languages. And, I mean, why? Why so many languages? Why are there all these different languages? And, uh, Mr. Kaler, I do believe this is a question that humans have pondered for quite some time. Sure. Yeah. I mean, since the beginning. If we're talking about the beginning, I mean, we could go back to uh, the biblical references, if that's what you're getting to get getting at. Indeed. With the Tower of Babel. Yes. I think scripture says that the Lord gave language to Adam and that the people built the Tower of Babel as tall as they could to try to be closer to God, but that the Lord was a vengeful God and winds up destroying the tower. And as a result, People scatter, and with them, they spread their languages. Mm, Very Old Testament. Oh, yeah. They were smoten. (laughs) Smitten. I don't think (laughs) think that's quite... (laughs) 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 Yeah, smitten is falling in love with. Maybe they were smote. Yeah, 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 that is correct. Well, anyway... Kayla and I did some digging. <laughs> Kayla and I did some digging. We did some research. And and it turns out that languages are a lot like a family. There's a founding language. Mm-hmm. And as time goes by, that founding lineage creates offshoots and branches. The other languages. That tree example is great. Yes. And we're going to link in our show notes. And, and dear listener, this is yet... Again, Kaler and Khan upping their game. Wow. Uh, Yeah, check out our show notes because we are now going to be linking additional materials. So, you know, you can see this really neat diagram that Kaler dug up about the family tree of languages. So for our discussion today, we're focusing on languages that we as people growing up in North America are going to be more familiar with. They begin with the Indo-European 
language. Yes. Yeah, and that it, it is the uh, the largest of the three main language families that we'll be talking about over the course of the next couple of episodes. Yeah. Now, so the Indo-European is where German, Bengali, Sanskrit, Italian, uh, French. Did you mention Greek? I did not mention Greek. There you go. Greek. Latin. All the Germanic languages. Yeah, so basically languages that you find in Europe and India, South Asia, Mm -hmm. they all came from this common language. They're all descendants of it. Now, Central Asian, and it emigrates from there. Now, Kayla, can I find the Indo-European language being spoken anywhere today? No, but you can find derivatives of that. Again, as you said, that's the root of all these other languages that you'll be hearing about. Indeed. Yeah. And so way back in the distant past of our language, Indo-European split and gave rise to Latin and Greek. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Greek continued off down its pathway. But Latin then, there was the High Latin, and then there was the Vulgar Latin. <laughs> Why I oughta. <laughs> but of course, Vulgar Latin just meant a more common version of the tongue. And from Vulgar like Latin... Like the vernacular. Yes. Yeah. And, and from Vulgar Latin, we got... The Romance languages? Ah. Now, this is the thing. I always thought the Romance languages were called that because they're romantic. If you were going to pitch woo, as they say, <laughs> what better language to use than a Romance language? But in fact... They're pretty sounding. They are. But in fact, Romance language is derived from a meaning in the Roman style Mm, because it came from the vulgar Latin, the common Latin that Romans would be speaking. That was something new to me. Yeah, so that's where our Romance languages, French, Italian, Spanish, Portuguese, Mm -hmm. that's where they came from. What, I mean, what amazes me is just how many, when when you think of just this one of three basic language families, how many languages are derived that, that are spoken today and have been spoken over the last several thousand years in each of these family trees, you know, each each of these family language languages. Yeah, it's just utterly amazing how many there are. Yeah, that's true. It's a lot of creativity, a lot of innovation there. A lot of time. Yeah. All right. We, uh, we reached out, got in touch with friends of ours who speak a different language, and we wanted to touch base with them. Now, all of our friends that you're going to hear from today are speaking languages that are derived from Indo-European. And what are those? So we've got Greek. Okay. We've got Spanish. Yes. We have, C. Uh, very good. We have uh, Italian. Um, okay. And we have French. Bonjour. Ah, magnifique. So... Here we go. Let's give a listen. This was us asking our friends, you know, how did it come to be that you are proficient in a second language? Let's hear what they had to say. Sure. So grew up in a household. Both parents immigrated from Greece. So from an early age, essentially from birth, grew up with Greek in the house. I went on a vacation with my family to Quebec and Montreal when I was in the, it was in sixth grade. I went with my family. And then the next year was when you decide to study a language in a Smithtown school district. So I signed up for French because I was amazed that we could go into a restaurant and my mother could order in French. You know, she had taken it in college. So I said, that's it. I want to study French. 
I then uh, continued studying it all through high school, and I really loved it. So I decided to major in it in college. I decided to do my junior year in college in France. We are first generation Italo-Americane, so Italian-American. And so that upbringing and just that culture, speaking the other language. So, So yeah, we grew up with, you know, at least I did for extended family. I lived with extended family. My grandparents lived with us. So um, they only spoke Italian. So it was proper and polite to be speaking Italian while we were in their presence. So at home... it was considered extremely rude, obviously, to speak in English when um, other people were involved. When my dad's side of the family was coming to the United States, or they were going to the Americas. (laughs) And so they started off by... Um, living and starting their lives in South America. So they went to Uruguay. And now I have my first set of um, cousins who are married in Uruguay. So now they're speaking Spanish. By way of introduction, our first speaker there was Mr. Carutus, friend of the show. Yes. Followed by, in fr- en français, one of my close friends, a gentleman by the name of William Lifford. And then rounding things out, we heard from Ms. Ritter mm-hmm. and Ms. Matteo. Yeah. And so we, we got two different kinds of answers there for our friends, Mr. Crudis, Ms. Ritter, Ms. Matteo. Their multilingualism is a function of the fact that they come from families. Their heritage. Exactly. Yeah. So this was a big part of culture, of, of just woven into the fabric of who they are. Mm. Yeah. And, and, then, and then with Bill, you know, that was an event that was learned. You know, he was awestruck and that was the bug realized the significance of it wanted to do what his mom had done and now you know went to study the next thing we uh wanted to sort of dive into is both of us have sort of well i've dabbled you've been more serious about pursuing a second language or Mm. a, a new language not really well i was trying to build you up there buddy sure and so one of the things, you know, if you're sort of a, a shy retiring type, there's a little bit of a reticence sure. to just come right out there and be using a language with which we have to think hard about how to express ourselves with. We're not sure if our pronunciation is on point. Is our accent weird? Sure, there's that intimidation factor. So we, we asked our friends, you know, hey, any tips for jumping in there? All right, let's hear well, first of all, you, you have to be, you know, very humble and don't beat yourself up because you will make a ton of mistakes. You, you will lack confidence, but you have to build your confidence up. So it's not, you know, it's not the easiest thing in the world, but you have to stick with it. You have to practice. The first thing I'll say is that when you do live abroad in a situation in which there's no English speakers at all, you get really fluent really quickly. There's a lot of different cultural things where if you don't know it, you can accidentally offend someone. Like if you are going into a store, you're supposed to say hi to the person who's behind the counter. And in America, we don't really always do that. Most people are more than happy to try to help you. And most people actually respect that you're making an effort to learn their language. Yeah, so, you know, Mr. Kaler, distilling that advice down, you're gonna make mistakes. Sure. You got to make you, you know, put yourself out there to make mistakes because that's the only way you get better by trying. And I think both Mr. Crudus and, and Bill made the point that in general, speakers of the language are mm-hmm. going to be forgiving. Sure. And 
are going to have an appreciation for your effort. You know, yeah. I also thought it was interesting, though, that Bill mentioned, you know, be aware of the social norm. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, think about it. Language is a major part of one's culture. And, you know, when you think of culture, there's social norms are another major part of it, and they're inevitably going to be intertwined. Yep, yep. Also from, from Bill, that if you really want to learn that language, immersion oh, yeah. will get you there. Yeah. Now this, this next one, you brought this question to the planning session. That's right, folks. We have planning sessions. We've got a little <laughs> office space. And uh, hey, listen, for this summer, uh, you can intern for the Candler and Con Show. Um, gain valuable industry experience. I'm sure our credits are transferable to any accredited. A letter of recommendation, of course, will be issued. Send your application to uh, Chris Kaler. So, so when we were when we were planning this, Kaler, you brought to the table the question of, do you feel like a different person when you're speaking this language? Mm -hmm. And that was something that I never even thought of. You know, it's a mindset. I mean, a language is more than just sounds coming out of a, you know, coming out of your mouth. It's brain is there. I mean, the personality gets involved. I mean, what's going on up there? You know, like she said, it's this persona, but it's, it is that other part of you that just awakens. But there are times when I'm with my Italian family, and there's just a different way. There's, the humor is different. The, the way you it kind of communicate's a little bit different. You absolutely have these different yeah. facets of your, as a matter of fact, depending on your mood and what you're talking about, that emotion may evoke feelings in one of the languages. Okay. So something that I'm feeling right now, like a I may only be it. able to express in Italian. <laughs> gotcha. But in English, I, I don't have the words to express it. Does Greek George come out that persona as opposed to American George? <laughs> so the funny, the funny thing is, right? Like uh, you get you get this kind of uh, dual reaction, right? So. In school, I was never, quote-unquote, you know, American enough, right? But when I go to Greece, I'm not Greek enough. So you get that, uh, you know, you get that dynamic. You're stranded in the Atlantic. That's right. I'm out <laughs> in the Atlantic, man, with Napoleon. Ah, uh, Napoleon. Each person's answer was a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Ms. Matteo was speaking about how it gives her a greater range of expression, whereas Mr. Karudis... You know, his answer was more about his self-identity, like looking sure. inwards. And I think that reveals just how powerful language is, you know, as far as being woven into who who am I? What is my story? Yeah, I mean, again, it's such a, you know, you think language and you think emotion. What else of a better way to express oneself, not only culturally, but individually, but through the, the sound of your voice. You know, it makes me think that when you do learn a new language, you're like hacking your brain. You're giving yourself new tools and just expanding that horizon. Oh yeah, yeah. The next question, the follow-up question, was another one that you brought to the table, and that was about what language you dream in. Now, mind you, this is a family-friendly podcast. That's right. So <laughs> when you dream... <laughs> Yeah. What language do you dream in? That's interesting. Uh, I I dream in both English and Greek. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I've had multiple, multiple dreams of my grandmother after she's passed. 
It's always Greek conversation. Like she doesn't appear in my dream and speaks English to me. Yeah. She speaks Greek and, you know, people that I would always have Greek conversation with that, you know, I see in my dreams. It's always Greek. I remember a lot of my dreams and the only ones that take place in Italian are ones where I'm with family members that would typically that speak would Italian. That speak Italian. In and what's dream. interesting is my grandmother only spoke Italian, and I've had dreams of her speaking English to me. It's very <gasps> odd. Oh, do you very wake up strange. trying to like? like that's yeah. Bizarre. I was going to say this so that... weird, and I, it feels weird, like unnatural, like oh, it's not really her. So, you know, you heard the gasp when Miss Ritter said that her grandmother, who never spoke English, has appeared in her dreams. I don't remember who gasped. It might have been me, but it was so. It was like such a. A divergence from the other answers that we had gotten. But yet similar as with the response from Mr. Karudis. Yeah. yeah dreaming, about, dreaming about a grandparent. Right, right. Except her grandparent was speaking English. But yeah. then, you know, she said it didn't feel right. I, right. I, I, I think of, you know, when you have a dream and part of the house you're in looks like your house, but then you turn around and it's like not your house. So it's like, it's my house, it's not my house. And you have this weird feeling when you wake up of, what was that? From there, we pivoted mm -hmm. and we started to look then at some of the commonalities because the, the languages that we're hearing from, those are romance languages. So mm -hmm. they are closely related to each other. Greek is a bit more of a distant relative. Greek and Latin split further back in time. Sure. So there was more time for divergence differences to build up, whereas the romance languages, they split from each other much more recently so theoretically... They're the young kids on the block. Yeah, theoretically, they should be more similar. So we, we started to explore a bit of the common common roots. Well, knowing uh, and, you know, being bilingual allowed me to pick up Spanish relatively quickly, relatively com conversational in Portuguese, understand a lot of Italian. So certainly knowing one language can help you break down um, other languages, some words are similar, root words, and it just, you know, for whatever reason, it's, it's more easily processed. Absolutely. I, um, like I said, I'm, I'm fairly fluent in French, but um, I work in healthcare. I make prosthetic arms and legs, and I work in different hospitals and nursing homes, and a lot of my patients are Spanish. And I can make myself understood pretty well in Spanish. And as long as they speak slowly, I can understand most of what they say, purely because of my knowledge of French. I have never studied Spanish at all. And, uh, but knowing French has really helped me uh, get by. The instincts are there. Yes, there are some similarities in the root of what you're saying. You just have this way of understanding how to respond to things in a, nor in a natural, organic way. And there is, you know, a good amount of overlap. And the dialect that we speak actually has a lot of Spanish words in it. In it. Mm -hmm. So just for fun, we, um, I took Spanish with my best friend because it was so similar that we were able to be pretty high achieving as we were very high achieving students in Spanish. Um, but you do know, you know, when you look at languages, I mean... Here we go. Greeks pretty much, you know... I mean, listen, the Phoenicians, of course. <laughs> However, the Greeks got to give props to the Greeks. Okay. All right. So exploring a little bit further commonalities mm -hmm. between the languages. Here we have 
a comparison of the names of the seven days of the week from the different languages. Could you recite for us the the days? So formal, of, recite. Uh, could you, could you <laughs> schoolmaster <laughs> Kaler, yes, sir? Could you uh, <laughs> could you let us know what the let us know? There you go. Uh, the days of the week. Sure. Monday. Deftera. Lundi. Lunes. Lunedi. You can hear the similarities in the Romance languages. I, oh, yeah, virtually identical. With the Romance languages, the names of the days of the week are coming from the seven celestial objects that you can observe with your naked eye. So, Monday, Lunedi, the moon. Tuesday, Triti. Mardi. Martes. Martedi. Mars. Wednesday, Detarti. Mercredi. Mercoledi. Mercoledi. And, and it's miércoles. And so Wednesday is for Mercury. Thursday, Bempti. Jeudi. Jueves. Jovedi. Right, and that's for Jupiter. Friday, Paraskevi. Vendredi. Venerdi. Viernes. And so Friday is for Venus. Saturday, Sabato. Samedi. Sabado. Sabato. I, only, I didn't pronounce it correctly. I just wanted to emphasize yeah. the D instead of the T. With that one, I'm not entirely sure that they switch, you know, for us in English, Saturn. But in those Romance languages, I think they still preserved Sabbath. Sunday. Kiriaki. Dimanche. Domingo. Domenica. Right, so there, there you get, again, I think more of a preservation of that idea of God. You know, in English, then you hear it turning into Sunday. Sure. You know. Okay. So, yeah. There you go. So, you know, it got it got it got us thinking. Like, hey, wait a second. You know, we work in a high school, and one of the things that high school students, middle school students, have to do is take a foreign language. Why do we do that? I did a little digging, Mr. Kaler, and let's see what you think of these numbers. Twenty-seven percent of New York State's K through twelve population are enrolled in foreign language classes. Now. For a point of comparison. I would think that's low. So that stat is like everybody who's, yeah. you know, in public school. Now, points of comparison. New York State, 27% K through 12 taking a foreign language. Arkansas, higher or lower? Let's play a little game here. Um, well, I'm probably going to say slightly lower. Okay, it is lower, but 9%. I'd say that's more than slight. 9% lower? Or no, 9% of K through 12 wow. in the state of Arkansas. Okay. Now, let's go to the brave little state to the north, Vermont. Yeah. Oh, well, you know. Higher, the, green, the Green Mountain State? Higher or lower um, than 27%. I'm going to say higher. Okay. Yeah. You are uh, correct, it's sir. Land. 35% of K through 12 students, all 10 of them, because it's very small. <laughs> it's a very small state. In Burlington High School. <laughs> yeah. Back to New York State. Of the major languages that are taught, which language do you think the most students are enrolled in? So this is statewide? New York State, yes. Okay. From upstate to downstate. From Niagara Falls to, to Montauk, Montauk Point. Okay. To Messina, New York in the Ooh. north. Okay. Uh, you know what? I, I mean, I, I'm guessing it's going to be pretty obviously Spanish. And you are correct, sir. Yeah. 600,000 approximately, rounding to the nearest thousand. Number two is French. Oh. Coming in at just under 100,000. That's a significant drop-off. 
I'm sure it's in the northern part of the state, you know, in the Adirondacks, it's Buffalo area. Yeah. Sure. Any yeah. of those border areas yeah, where, it's not so where so people are going to have to deal with... Um, the Québécois. <laughs> the Québécois. You can order poutine in, <laughs> in the native French. Yes, <laughs> and enjoy every bite of it. That's right. And then, où est le cardiologiste? <laughs> For those of our listeners who don't know what poutine is, it's a delightful... Delicacy. Yes. Uh, you start off with French fries. Pomme de fruit. And then you add... Very thick gravy. And then... Artery clotting <laughs> gravy. And then you add... Cheese curds. Oh, <laughs> oh, wow. And that, my friends, will keep you warm on a cold Canadian evening, but it will also <laughs> it will also foster a relationship with your cardiologist. <laughs> so other languages, ASL, American Sign Language, sure. being taught. So you see the numbers. The why study a foreign language. Taking a look at what the educational professionals have to say. There were some studies and research done on it. And the answers, you know, range from things like creating a positive attitude and less prejudice towards people who are different, which I think mm -hmm. when our, our listeners hear the interviews that we conducted, you'll get that vibe that there's a connection that's fostered with it. Um, improving chances of getting a foreign language, meeting new and interesting people. And then they actually go on and say that second languages have been shown to improve your skills in both your native language, English, mm -hmm. uh, as well as your mathematical skills because the abstract reasoning that's fostered by thinking about, you know, these abstract symbols, letters, and and, and such. So uh, it's overall, I mean, you could also, you can, I guess, kind of summarize that. It gives you the opportunity for greater academic achievement. According to the University of North Georgia, Mr. Kaler, a second language improves your skills and grades in math and English and on the SAT and the GRE. I got to imagine that in your line of work, being able to make that connection with people is really important. I'm sure that they appreciate that. It's the most important thing because, um, say in healthcare, the, the really the most important thing about it is communication. If a patient understands what you're trying to tell them, that helps avoid so many different complications down the road. So if I'm trying to tell somebody the best way to use their prosthesis or when is a a danger sign that they need to call me for to get adjustments made to it or something like that, the more clearly they understand me, the, um, the better outcomes they're going to get, you know, and, and ultimately the healthier they will be. So it is, it's vitally important. It's kind of an art form now. I think they're trying to uh, actually preserve those preserve dialects them. because it's a lot about the culture of every region. Then I, I, I honestly couldn't imagine doing something like what my parents did, you know, uh, just picking up and, and moving to, uh, to another nation and beginning an entirely new life. Absolutely. And you know what? I, that's what I think makes this country so special because of so many stories like my own. And, you know, if you ask around, you'll hear more of these stories than, than, than you would think. And, you know, that dynamic is, is all around us. And, you know, we're, we're constantly grasping, you know, what exactly is the meaning of being American. And I, I, th I think it's a combination of so many things. I mean, I've always found it's helped me 
with English. I mean, I, I felt very much like I could find the root of a word I didn't understand. Oh, no, that's just like that Italian word. Mm -hmm. that, okay. that Spanish word looks similar to that, you know, that word. And, and I always found being, you know, bilingual was always very helpful to me. Um, I, I feel the same way. Not just in terms of the way you think, but the way that you are with people. Yeah. I think foreign language helps us learn that people all around the world are just people and that they breathe air and they eat dinner and they love their families just like we do. And I, I think it helps make the world smaller. I think, it, I think it helps us see people as, as people and not them and not the enemy or not the stranger. I don't know. I think it just helps us remember that we all share a common humanity. Mr. Kaler, I can't add anything to that that would improve upon what Bill said. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Drop mic. Drop, mic drop. Here we go. Uh, last thing. Bidding farewell to our, our interviewees. I want to keep it too long because I know you got some Sounds stuff going good. on here Sounds that good. you got to get to. But thank anytime, you for sharing, man. Anytime I can, you know, open up this Greek... <laughs> American mind of mine. Absolutely. All right. No, we should have rewarded him with some. We should have had like a some some gyros, and not gyros, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Gyros. Gyros. Okay. On that note, thank All you right. so much. Thank All right. you. Thank you. Say it. Oh my goodness! Thank you so much you. for that taking so the time to meet with us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, and I will tell everyone out there: N'hésitez pas à prendre une langue étrangère. So never hesitate to learn a foreign language because there's many great things that will happen to you. And Mr. Kaler, while we didn't have any swag for our guests, your friend Wait. Bill, yes, he had something that we could help him popularize. Promote. Promote, yeah. exactly. Absolutely. My Chicago blues band, Harmonica Bill and Mark Deck, um, which is a uh, sort of 1950s chess record era Chicago blues band, plays uh, that once a month at Charlotte Speakeasy in Farmingdale, and also that once a month at Big Daddy's Restaurant in Massapequa, New York. So don't hesitate to come out and see some low-down greasy blues with the harmonica out front where it's supposed to be. All right. So, Mr. Kaler, I, that's like our first real plug. Yeah, you know Milton Hurst is going to be mad at you though, <laughs> because he didn't get any love the last episode, and now here we are putting Bill's Chicago-style blues band front and center with nary a mention of chocolate. Yeah, we didn't even say chocolate in a foreign language. <laughs> Où est le urche chocolat? <laughs> yeah, I gotta tell you, it was great having it being able to interview all those people. Yes, and. You know what? It's been a few days since we did the interview. The excitement has sort of uh, worn off. But dear listener, yet another technological innovation from the Kaler and Khan Studios. Phone interviews. Yeah. So, in the upcoming weeks, our next episode will be focusing on the English language. And why is the English language so weird? Why can't the rule just be I before E always? And what's up with Wednesday? Why is it spelled that way? Why is it pronounced that way? And then in our third look at language, Mr. Kaler, we're taking a look at... Another of the three major uh, language families. We're going to take a look at the Afro-Asiatic. Actually, two others. Afro-Asiatic and the 
Sino-Tibetan yes. language family. So we're going to be listening to, uh, we're going to have a, a guest that speaks Arabic and a guest that speaks Mandarin. I Cantonese. believe it's Cantonese. And um, what's cool about that is you're going to hear the differences. But but, yeah, but common out, there'll be some commonalities as well. Exactly, exactly. So with that being said, live long and prosper. Seems pretty expensive. It's only meant to look that way. This is all cardboard and stickers. And I like it. Lots of bells and whistles and lights. That's right. The apple. Yeah. Dr. Dr. Kaler's got the chromie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kayla doesn't trust Apple.